Amen. It has been so good to be reminded of these truths this morning. We serve a great God, and he has been so, so kind to us. Well, good morning, church. I am thrilled for the opportunity to be able to open God's word with you, to hear what he has to say to us this morning. Uh, I just want to say before we jump in on a bit of a personal note, uh, Katie and I and our family, we've been a part of this church family now for almost a year and have been on staff now for three months. And you guys are just such a kind, loving, encouraging, and welcoming church family. Uh, It has been such a blessing for our family to be grafted in, to be folded into this church. And we are just abundantly thankful to the Lord for the very good gift that he's given to us in each of you. Uh, I also want to share with you just as an encouragement, it's one thing uh, coming and being a part of the church family, and then it's another thing kind of stepping on the other side of the ministry curtain and engaging with the staff on a different level, and they really are who you think they are. Uh, It has just been so, so good uh, to just get to see the healthy staff culture here, uh, the mutual love, the mutual respect that each one has for another, and uh, it's been a blessing to just be a part of that here for the last three months. So uh, glory to God and thankful to you guys for that blessing. Well, church, we are coming off a four-week series where Pastor Michael demonstrated from the Word of God why our church, why North River Church is committed to helping people know, grow, and go for the glory of God. Uh, We looked at Ephesians chapter 2 together, and we were reminded that though we are dead in our sins and our trespasses, though we are sons and daughters of disobedience and destined for wrath, God being rich in mercy, made us alive together with Christ. It is by his grace that we can be saved through faith. This is what it means for us to come to know the Lord, to turn from our sins and to trust in Jesus. And this is how we enter into relationship with him. Then we looked at Colossians chapter 1 we were reminded that every follower of Jesus Christ should be growing in their relationship with him. Uh, This growth in relationship with the Lord, it is a lifelong work of the Spirit to help us to look more like Jesus and to help us to grow in becoming more like him. Uh, This kind of growth, it is both pleasing to the Lord and it ought to become increasingly evident to others. And then we looked at Acts chapter 1 as we talked about what it looks like to be a people that are going. We saw that when Christ returned on high, he said, wait, because I'm going to clothe you with power from on high. And we come to learn that that power is the very indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God, that if you are in Christ, if you have turned from your sins and trusted in Jesus, you have been filled by the Holy Spirit who enables you to walk in a manner that's pleasing to the Lord and who enables you to be a bold witness to our neighbors and to the nations that we would go everywhere and tell everyone the good news of Jesus Christ. And then last week, uh, we looked at Ephesians chapter three. We were reminded that God wants to do abundantly more than all that we can ask or imagine 
all to the praise of his glorious grace. Brothers and sisters, God is at work here at North River Church, and God is at work in your life and in mine. And so by God's grace, let's commit to being a people, to being a church that is all about knowing the Lord, growing in the Lord, and going for the Lord that his glory might be exalted to the highest place. Well, this morning we are jumping back into our series through Genesis entitled Origins. Uh, We began this series as a church family back on January 2nd. So I'm confident that if I were to select any one of you at random and bring you up on the stage, you could give a quick recap of this whole series, sermon titles and main points. Any volunteers? We all know that is not quite the way it works. And the reality is sometimes we actually grow discouraged that we can't remember all the things all the time. Uh, Let's be honest, sometimes we'll read a passage in the morning And then by the evening time, if someone asks us what we did with our time with the Lord that morning, we have no idea what we read or if it had any bearing on our day whatsoever. I just want to briefly encourage you. That's okay. Let's take God at his word and realize that each time we come to his word, God is accomplishing all that he intends to accomplish that over time we will experience slow growth, that our minds slowly will be renewed and transformed, that we will grow in thinking God's thoughts after him, that we'll continue to increase in loving the things that God loves and valuing the things that God values. Each time we come to his word and allow him to speak to us through it, he is bringing about transformation and growth. He's creating in you and in me a deep well of spirituality that is ever increasing as we consistently come to his word as individuals and as a church family. That hearing his voice really will help you know him more and trust him more and love him more and enjoy him more. So with that being said, please grab your Bibles and turn with me to Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25. Uh, If you're newer to the Bible or if you didn't bring one this morning, you're welcome to grab one in the seat there in front of you. Genesis is the first book of the Bible and chapter 25 comes after chapter 24. (laughs) Genesis 25. Uh, I'll just give you a forewarning. There are lots of funky names in this passage, but we are somehow going to get through it together. All right. So Genesis 25, beginning in verse 1, here we go. It says, Abraham took another wife whose name was Keturah. She bore him Zimron, Jokshan, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. Jokshan fathered Sheba and Dedan. The sons of Dedan were Asherim, Letushim, and Leumim. The sons of Midian were Epha, Epher, Hanach, Abida, and Elda. All these were the children of Keturah. Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac. But to the sons of his concubines, Abraham gave gifts. And while he was still living, he sent them away from his son Isaac eastward to the east country. These are the days of the years of Abraham's life, 175 years. 
Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age, an old man full of years, and was gathered to his people. Isaac and Ishmael, his sons, buried him in the cave of Machpelah, in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar the Hittite, east of Mamre, the field that Abraham purchased from the Hittites. There Abraham was buried with Sarah, his wife. After the death of Abraham, God blessed Isaac, his son, and Isaac settled at Beer Laharoi. These are the generations of Ishmael, Abraham's sons, whom Hagar, the Egyptian, Sarah's servant, bore to Abraham. Lest you thought we were done with the fun names, there are more. Verse 13, these are the names of the sons of Ishmael, named in the order of their birth, Nebaioth, the firstborn of Ishmael, and Kedar, Adbil, Nibsam, Mishma, Duma, Massah, Hadad, Tima, Jeter, Nafish, and Kedma. These are the sons of Ishmael, and these are their names, by their villages and by their encampments, 12 princes according to their tribes. These are the years of the life of Ishmael, 137 years. He breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people. They settled from Havilah to Shur, which is opposite Egypt in the direction of Assyria. He settled over against all his kinsmen. And so, Father, we thank you for your word, and we ask that you would now speak to us directly and specifically through it. Holy Spirit of God, we trust you to accomplish all that you intend to accomplish this morning. God, we rejoice in knowing that all of your word is profitable. And so, Father, I pray that your people would be encouraged, that your people would be challenged, that your people would be helped, and above all, that you would be glorified. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, in verse 8, we learn that Abraham dies at the good old age of 175 years old. And so this passage, I think, kind of reads a bit like Abraham's obituary. So what I thought we might do this morning is treat this morning almost like a funeral or a celebration of life service for Abraham. As we look back at his life, I think one of the very best ways that we can describe it is the blessed life, the hashtag blessed life. Now, I am not a big social media guy, but I occasionally become aware of various trends that are out in the social media world. One of them is the hashtag blessed trend. Uh, It was bigger a little while back, but it's still happening today. Here are some of the posts that I came across when I was looking at this. So here's the first one. Uh, You can see this gentleman up here is very excited. Finally opened my own business. Thanks to everyone who believed in me, but a bigger thanks to you haters out there. Hashtag blessed. Gotta love that sweet, sweet vindication, right? Uh, This next one, I believe this gentleman is thoroughly confused. He's sitting at the Waffle House and simply says, I'm blessed. You can talk to Pastor Michael about that sometime. He'd love to share. Uh, This next one, just the simple pleasures in life. Have you ever used two blankets? The best. Hashtag blessed. Or this one, my kicks are here. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag mail call. Those are not my kicks in case you were wondering. And last one, my favorite one, got a new chair. (laughs) Hashtag 
blessed. Uh, we call all kinds of things blessed. All kinds of things. But from a biblical perspective, what does it truly mean to be blessed? I want to tell you, and then I want to show you in Abraham's life. Matt Champlin says this, in relation to humanity, to be blessed is to be one of God's own people with all the benefits that brings. In other words, the blessing of God is his relational presence in one's life. That is it, brother and sister. The relational presence of God in your life and in mine is the greatest blessing. It is the essence of divine blessing. God's relational presence in my life. The essence of divine blessing is summed up in the oft-repeated covenant refrain all throughout the Old Testament and then into the New Testament, I will take you to be my people and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God. Divine blessing is God's promise to be with us and to ultimately take us to be with him forever. And once you know this, once you see this, you can't but help see it everywhere in scripture. God again and again and again, reminding his people, I will be God to you and you will be my people. Again, reaffirming the relationship, I will have my presence in your life and satisfy you with my presence. We see this everywhere in Abraham's life. And so as a part of Abraham's celebration of life service, I want us to review what we've seen since April 10th of this year, looking from Genesis chapter 12 all the way up to where we find ourselves this morning in Genesis 25. This is the hashtag blessed life that Abraham lives. You're welcome to turn back in your Bible to Genesis 12. We're gonna stop at several passages along the way. Uh, Abraham's story begins here in Genesis chapter 12. We find out that he's 75 years old when God called him. 75 years old and he is just getting started. And all the senior adults said amen. He is married to Sarai, whom we learn in uh, chapter 11 verse 30 was barren and childless. And right out of the gates, as soon as we meet Abram, it's made explicit and abundantly clear that he will be living the blessed life. Look at what God's word says in Genesis 12, verses one through three. It says, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Again and again and again, God's sure promise to bless Abraham. Abraham, I will be your God and you will be my people. I will be with you. I will bless you with a relationship with me and through you all the nations of the world will have the opportunity to live this blessed life that you will live, Abram. 
They will have the opportunity to enter into relationship with me, to take me as their God and for me to include them as my people. We see this though, that living the blessed life is costly. Here's Abraham, he's 75 years old, he's established his life, he's there settled with his whole family, he has everything made for the last 75 years and God is calling him to leave everything, to walk away from everything that he'd ever known, to step away from family and from comfort and from familiarity and to step out into this journey that the Lord is gonna take him on. The writer of Hebrews offers commentary in chapter 11, verses eight through 10. He says, by faith, Abram, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as his inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. For Abraham to obey the Lord, for Abraham to step out in faith, it would cost him everything. But he was sure of this, that though it might cost him everything, the God who was calling him is good. That's what the writer of Hebrews helps us to see, that he was looking forward to something that he trusted this God who was calling him and realized that though he give up whatever it may be here, it will be infinitely and eternally worth it to enter into relationship with this God. Abram is gonna leave it all, but God is gonna give him so much more. Living the blessed life can be costly, but God is good. A little later in Genesis chapter 12, while living the blessed life, uh, Abram lies to Pharaoh. They're concerned about Sarai's beauty and that if Pharaoh sees Sarai, she's gonna wanna, he's gonna wanna just kill Abram and take Sarai to be his wife. And so they lie and say that Sarai is Abram's sister. And so Pharaoh takes Sarai into his house as one of his wives. Now don't breeze past this and also don't, minimize or dehumanize what's happening here. Uh, this is a real woman who really loved her husband and she's being taken into the home of another powerful man to be his wife. It's serious business and it's devastating. And Abram and Sarai lie. But what happens in 12 verse 17, we read, the Lord afflicted Pharaoh in his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. God is with Abram and Sarai, even in the midst of their lying, even in the midst of their deceit, he does not forsake them, he does not leave them in a dreadful circumstance. They continue to experience divine blessing, the presence of God in their lives, and the Lord rescues them from this horrible situation, he preserves their marriage and he preserves his promise that Abram and Sarai would create a family that would bring blessing to the world. We see that living the blessed life can be hard. 
Living the blessed life can be hard. We can find some very difficult and challenging circumstances. And there can be outside circumstances that are crowding their way in. And there can also be internal struggle and difficulty to do what is right and pleasing to the Lord. Living the blessed life can be hard. And when we talk about the blessed life, we don't often talk about it or think about it in this way. We think that it's all just rainbows and butterflies. But when we see what the Bible really characterizes as the blessed life, we can see that, man, it can be challenging to live the blessed life. But even in the midst of that, God is gracious. He doesn't look at us when we're struggling with difficulty and challenge and say, you know what, bad idea. I'm so sorry that we started this whole thing. I'm out. You're on your own. Best of luck to you. No, the Lord stays with his people. And he's gracious and he treats them in a way that they do not deserve. He's good to them even in the midst of their sin. Living the blessed life can be hard, but God is gracious. Then we get to Genesis chapter 13 and Abram and Lot, who is Abram's nephew, they grow too large with all of their possessions and all of their livestock that the land that they're settled in together can't support both of their families. And so Abram says, Lot, first dibs, man, what do you want? You can go this way or that way. Which do you choose? Lot, of course, looks at both of them, surveys the land, and he picks the better land for himself. And you can just see Lot posting cheeky selfies with the land behind him, picture, hashtag blessed, right? But that's not what the Bible is mainly talking about when it talks about the blessing of the Lord. While Lot has the better looking land, Abram has the Lord. Chapter 13, verse 14, as soon as Lot goes his way, the Lord immediately steps in and he speaks to Abram and he reminds him of his presence. It says, the Lord said to Abram after Lot separated from him, and then he goes in to remind Abram of his promise to be with him. Genesis chapter 14, Lot is in trouble. The hashtag blessed life isn't looking so good for him at this point. He gets caught up in this massive war that's going on amongst nine different kings in the area. And the victorious king grabs Lot and his family and takes them into captivity along with all of his possessions. And so Abram hears about this and he gathers together 318 of his trained men and he rescues Lot. And it's like, man, Abram is the man. But on his return, we meet a mysterious figure figure named Melchizedek. He's called a priest of the Most High God, and Melchizedek blesses Abram. Genesis 14, 19 through 20, it says, And Melchizedek blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, hear this, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. Abram is quickly reminded that it has nothing to do with his military prowess or ability. It has everything to do with who his God is. It's not because Abram was so great. It was because the Lord was great. Because the Lord was mighty in battle and the Lord delivered Abram's enemies into his hand. All because of God's promise that he would be with Abram and that his life would be blessed. 
because he experienced and had the promise of God's presence in his life. We learn that living the blessed life may be dangerous. Living the blessed life may be dangerous, but God is mighty. If we're going to truly seek and serve the Lord, we have to recognize that there may be risk involved and risk is right for the glory of God. Following after Jesus is not a promise of comfort and safety and stability. It's a promise that God will be with you no matter what he calls you to do. That God will give you grace that is equal to whatever moment he sovereignly and providentially places you in. It might be dangerous, but God is mighty. There is nothing hard for the Lord. His arm is never too short. There is never a challenge or an enemy or a difficulty that the Lord looks at and wonders, how am I going to deal with this? How am I going to rescue my people out of this? The Lord sees it and he is at work in the midst of it. And though he does not promise to always deliver us safely on this side of eternity, he does promise that we will ultimately be safely delivered into his presence forever. Genesis 15, God says to Abram, fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. At this point, though, Abram is not so sure. He still hasn't had a child. He's not getting any younger. And so he tells the Lord that this whole thing is just not adding up. The Lord reminds him of his blessing he reminds him of his promise to bless him with a family that will bring blessing of relationship to the whole world. And in verse six, we read that Abram believes the Lord and that the Lord counted it to him as righteousness. And then I love this little tidbit that's included in verse 15 in chapter 15. The Lord says to Abram, as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a, hear this, good old age. If you remember the passage that we started at this morning in Genesis chapter 25, verse 8, it says, Abram breathed his last and died in what? A good old age. It's as if the writer of Genesis is screaming, remember what God promised. Remember back in Genesis 15, God said that he would die in a good old age and he's faithful. He did exactly what he said he would do, and he always does. In Genesis chapter 16, we run into some more trouble. Abram is now 86 years old. It's been 11 years of living the blessed life, and now Sarai just isn't sure that the Lord is going to come through. In Genesis 16 verse 1, uh, we read, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, she had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. Sarai said to Abram, behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. We learn that living the blessed life requires patience. Living the blessed life requires patience. But God is at work. Even when we don't see it, even when it doesn't feel like it, 
If you are in Christ Jesus, what God has promised is that the only thing that you will ever experience from now through eternity is the mercy of God. That no matter what the difficulty or the challenge or the seeming blessing may be, it is all a part of the mercy of God. And friends, we get frustrated when we have to wait for like two minutes in line. And here Abram is 11 years later after the promise And they say, we got to take matters into our own hands. If God intended to do it, surely he would have done it by now. So you know what? Let's just step in. Let's help God. We don't want him to be embarrassed. Let's figure out a way that we can still accomplish this so that God doesn't have to look at this and say, I'm sorry, guys, I just couldn't come through. No, the blessed life, it requires patience. But we can be confident that God is at work. That at all times, God is doing tens of millions of things, and we may be aware of one or two of them. Trust in the Lord, have patience, and see him work. After this whole episode with Hagar and Ishmael, Ishmael is born to Hagar, and God reminds Abram of his promise in Genesis 17, 1 through 8. You can turn to Genesis 17 and see it here in verses 1 through 8. It says, now when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make you into nations and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant. Here it is, to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession and the best part, and I will be their God. 24, nearly 25 years later, after Abram's initial call, and he's still without child, but God is faithful to remind him of his promise. He reminds Abram that the blessed life is having a relationship with him and the surety, the confidence, the certainty that God will continue to work and to act in his life. And so God reminds him and changes his name from Abram to Abraham, demonstrating how sure the promise is that his name would reflect the faithfulness of God to his word and to his promise. He will bless Abraham with a child and God will be with Abraham and with Abraham's children of promise through all generations. Verses 15 through 21, there in chapter 17, God says, and now the time has finally come. This time next year, your wife, Sarah, will have a son. It's the promise I made to you 25 years ago. I haven't forgotten and I haven't been slow in fulfilling it. I'm gonna accomplish it exactly on my time. We read in Romans 4, Paul describing what's going on in Abraham's heart in this instance. He says this, in hope, Abraham believed against hope 
that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which is as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. Brothers and sisters, living the blessed life requires faith. And God is faithful. I love what Paul says here in Romans chapter four. And if you're ever wondering what a great definition for faith is, it's right here in verse 20, 21. Fully convinced that God was able to do all that he has promised. This is what it means for us to have true and genuine faith, that we are fully convinced that God is who he says he is and that he can do all that he says he can. If we're to live the blessed life, it will require faith and we won't always see it, but we can be sure that God is faithful and that every promise that he has made, he will come through on. That he is not a man, that he should change his mind, but he is God and he will always come through. Genesis 18 through 19, uh, Abram, Abraham walks through the whole Sodom and Gomorrah episode. As God sees the rampant wickedness, he discloses his intention to utterly destroy the cities and Abraham boldly intercedes for them. In verse 23, Abraham asks the Lord, will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? And then six times he goes back and intercedes and pleads God's mercy for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. He says, if there's 50 righteous people, will you spare them all? I will. 45, I will. 40, 30, 20, and 10. And each time the Lord is willing to relent. The blessed life enables prayer. Real prayer, desperate prayer. And God is just that we can pray and cry out and request anything from the Lord and we can be confident that the righteous judge of all the earth will always do what is right. That when we cry out to the Lord and we ask him to act in a specific way, we can pray in faith, yes, that the Lord will come through, but that he will come through and do exactly what is right at exactly the right time. Living the blessed life enables us to pray by virtue of having relationship with the Lord and entering into his presence, we can cry out to him and he hears us when we do. And then we get to Genesis chapter 21, verses one through three. The story comes to a bit of a climax. It says, the Lord visited Sarah just as he had said. And the Lord did to Sarah just as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. A hundred years of waiting. 
25 years since the promise and the child of promise, Isaac, had come. And we would think, end of story, curtain down, roll the credits. That was a wild ride. Truly incredible. But there's more. The Lord is not done with Abraham and he is just getting started with Isaac. You flip to the very next chapter in Genesis chapter 22, verses one through two, and it says, after these things, what things? The last 25 years of waiting on God's promise and all of the madness that happened in between. And God decides to test Abraham. I'm thinking, he's done quite a bit of testing up to this point, but okay, what's one more? He says to him, Abraham, Abraham says, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. I mean, can you imagine being Abraham? After 25 years, after all the things, and the Lord knocks on your door again one morning and says, Abraham, and I wonder what that here I am was like. Was it like, here I am? Or was it like, here I am? What's it coming, right? And so after all of this, here's Abraham again, trusting the Lord and being fully convinced that God is able to do all that he promised. Verses nine through 12, they came to the place of which God had told him. Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood on the, in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on top. Then Abraham reached out his hand. He took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, which probably sounded more like Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Verse 12, the angel says, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Brothers and sisters, the blessed life can be scary. The blessed life can be scary. God may call you and I to do truly terrifying things. But look at what we can be confident of. Again, the the writer of Hebrews offers commentary in verses 17 through 19. He says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. The blessed life can be scary, but God can do all things. There is nothing our God cannot do do. And Abraham was sure of it. He heard God's promise. He said that he would give him a child and that that his family would continue to grow through that child. And so in Abraham's head, a hundred years after living life and 25 years of living the blessed life and knowing who the Lord is, he's like, well, the Lord's got to make good on his promise. So even if I take this knife and plunge it into my son, God's just going to raise him back from the dead. Because I know one thing for sure, he's going to make good on his promise. He's going to see it through to completion. Living the blessed life can be scary, but God can do everything. 
And this brings us to our passage today, to the end of Abraham's life, to the closing of one chapter, and the beginning of a new chapter as the blessed life continues through Isaac. We see in 25 verse 8, Abraham breathed his last, died in a good old age, and then we read that he gave everything to Isaac. And in verse 11, God blessed Isaac, his son. Now it is really amazing to see all of this in the life of Abraham. He truly lived the blessed life. His life is saturated with the pervasive presence of God. At every moment and in every episode, saturated with the pervasive presence of God. God is present in his calling. He's present in rescuing him from his own sinful choices. God is present in helping Abraham in difficult times. He's present as he makes good on all of his promises. God is constantly there in Abraham's life. But the question is, why does any of this matter for you and me? How should we walk out of here encouraged other than to say, that was really neat what God did in Abraham's life. God has promised the blessed life to Abraham and to the children of Abraham for all generations. And so the question is, who are the children of Abraham? Paul tells us in Galatians chapter three. Galatians chapter three, verses seven through nine, look at what God's word declares. He says, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. Here it is, verse nine, so then. Those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Brother or sister in Christ, if you have turned from your sins and trusted in Jesus, if you have the same faith as Abraham, then you too are a son, a daughter of Abraham. This blessing that we've been talking about, that we've been seeing, that we saw played out in the life of Abraham is for you and for me if we are of the same faith of Abraham. If you are fully convinced that God is who he said he is and he'll do all that he said he'll do, that he's done all he said he did in Christ, then this promise is for you. The blessed life that Abraham lived is the blessed life that is held out for you and for me. We too can have a life that is saturated with the pervasive presence of God if we have the same faith as Abraham. And here's what we know, that the blessed life in Christ is costly. That the blessed life in Christ can be hard. It can be dangerous it requires patience and faith. It, it opens the door for honest prayer. And at times, it can be really, really scary. But let's not lose sight of who our God is and the promise that he'll be with us. This covenant refrain is yours in Christ, that he will be your God and you shall be his people. 
The promise of his presence in your life is yours by faith so that each one of us who are in Christ live the blessed life. Each breath that we take from the moment we come to him until we breathe our last, we are with the Lord and he has promised to never leave us, to never forsake us. That we can have the unceasing, unmitigated, constant experience of God's relational presence in our lives. This God who is good and gracious and mighty This God who is at work and is faithful, who always does what is right and is able to do all things. Genesis 25, 11. After the death of Abraham, God blessed Isaac. Abraham is dead, but God is alive. Abraham's story ends, but the blessed life continues through Isaac and is held out to you and to me. And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you that even now, what we're doing in this moment, speaking to you, is a gift of grace. Oh, God, we thank you that you are with us, and you've been with us. And Father, even as we head back out into our lives, into our weeks, that your promise to your children in this room is that you will be with us. Father, we thank you for the blessing of yourself. We ask, O oh God, that we would be truly and deeply satisfied by your presence, that we would, would desire nothing more than to draw near to you. God, you tell us in your word that in your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. You invite us into the abundant life in Christ and it does not look like all the things that the world calls blessed. No, it is far, far greater, exceedingly more precious is your presence. We love you, Jesus. We love you. Father, even now we respond by celebrating communion. In Christ's name, amen.